You are listening to the Enormo Cast. You smell that? The aroma of crisp Mountain Dew on living cowhide? That dusky scent only means one thing. That's right, September is upon us. Getting up early to mend them fences all summer is about to pay off when them crisp temps let you pull down on holds smaller than a whisker on a tadpole. Dime Edge is going to feel like Diaz pesos. They're significantly larger, look it up. And as you gallop into September with a twinkle in your eye and a spur in your buttocks, let Black Diamond be your trusty steed. They got all you need for pebble wrestling, sport climbing, and of course the best traditional climbing protection this old cowpoke's ever seen. If you ain't riding the range with a saddlebag full of camelots, well son, you ain't cowboy, or cowgirl, or cowperson. You get my meaning. So when it comes to poking cows, well, that's your business. But as far as climbing goes, nobody has you covered head to toe like Black Diamond. Check them out at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. And though I might have gone too far this time, at the moment, Black Diamond is still a proud sponsor of the normal cast. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the EnormaCast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the EnormaCast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. It is September 7th, about 9.30 p.m. in Colorado, and this is episode 227 of the EnormaCast, a conversation with Jordan Cannon, return guest, three-time guest, I believe, Jordan Cannon. I think Jordan was on by himself, and then he was on with Mark Hudon, and now he's back. Plus a couple of episodes at the runout, a really important episode at the runout, actually, the other podcast. So Jordan Cannon is a big part of my life. And guess what? This is one of the climbiest podcasts I've done in a really long time. We're talking about climbing. We're talking a lot about climbing Golden Gate on El Cap, but in context of, of Jordan's whole career. And that's one thing I love about Jordan is that the dude is psyched to climb. He's psyched about everything climbing. He's psyched about the history of climbing. He's psyched about the ethics of climbing. He's psyched about climbing on granite. He's psyched about sport climbing, big route climbing, speed climbing. Not so much the big alpine climbing. But he's young. There's time. I don't see it happening, but I could be wrong. And this one's been sitting in the hopper for a while. I've been uh, having trouble getting it out for various life reasons. 
And uh, I actually was about to put it out when Stacy Bear got in touch with me about Afghanistan, which is what the last episode was about. And um, I hope you guys listen to that one because even if the Afghanistan thing seems too political, too crazy, too sad in a lot of ways, we talk a lot more than just about Afghanistan and that. And to be honest with you, Stacy Bear is a breath of fresh air, a breath of humanity. And uh, the mic is always on for whatever he wants to talk about here at the Enorma Cast. So, uh, yeah, I hope you check that one out. But here we are, back to climbing, hardcore climbing podcast. And as an introduction to Jordan, if you haven't heard him on the cast before, young climber, originally from South Carolina, but uh, kind of a California climber now, for sure, associated with Yosemite and with the east side and with places like that. He's kind of interesting because he's a young kid, guy, kid. He's, I don't know how old he is now. He's in his middle, late 20s, actually, but you know how I feel about people that age, kids, all of them. Anyway, kind of got famous in the last few years for having this interesting partnership with Mark Hudon, a Yosemite climber from the 70s who's been on the show another time with his longtime partner, Max Jones, were early free climbers on El Cap back in the day. But Jordan's just uh, sort of the consummate young trad climber, consummate young big wall climber, and also a pretty consummate professional climber. He's pursued it pretty doggedly and unabashedly becoming you know, a professional climber, what that means, what it takes, what it involves. And to that end, before we get to uh, the interview, Jordan wanted me to mention that he's basically going to be at every single Craig and Classic that the AAC is putting on this fall. And I think I mean that literally. I've been to a fair few Craig and Classics over the years. Nice events that the AAC puts on, a lot of education going on in those. And they're usually a lot kind of more laid back than your full-blown climbing festival, uh, which can appeal to a lot of folks that sort of more chill, smaller community vibe. So check out the Craig and Classics. You can find all that information at the American Alpine Club's websites like AmericanAlpineClub.org slash Craig and Classic or something like that. Anyway, you know how to use Google. Um, but yeah, Jordan's going to be at those, pretty much all of them, I think he said. He's going to get pissed that I don't know specifically that, but you get it. Google him. Find out where he's going to be. Email him. You know, just get in touch. Anyhow, sitting in the van in Rifle with Jordan Cannon. Jordan's become a friend over the years since I first interviewed him and uh, just a real genuine good dude and great fucking climber. Oh, and one other thing. I recently visited the uh, La Sportiva factory in the mountains of Italy, and, well, something really strange, sort of scary and exciting happened. I'll let you listen in. Hey, Sportiva, what are you doing over there? Wait a minute. You're not messing with the TC Pro, are you? Wait, you're trying to make them better? Come on, let's not get crazy. Just put the shoes down, walk away... We'll have another espresso and talk about this, amico. The TC Pro is pretty much perfect as is. A pair of those free-sold El Cap for Pete's sake. Let's not forget that little Tommy Caldwell designed those with a box of Crayolas and some glitter glue while most of us were still wondering why our downturned shoes wouldn't smear for merda. Ascoltami, fratello. The off-with maniacs are going to lose it when you change their go-to shoe. And let me tell you, you don't want to mess with those people. They're loco. Oh wait, 
You're telling me Tommy and Alex have suggested some changes to make them better? Well, those guys are down. I guess I can't complain too much. Go ahead and see what you can do. And let us know when we can check out the new improved TC Pro at Sportiva.com or try them on at our favorite local shop. But look here, Sportiva. You start futzing with those Miras and it's pistols at dawn. Capiche? You guys are so dialed. What do you mean? I just, I don't know. I need a better podcast voice. Well, you don't have to change your voice. Okay. I got a nice compliment from uh, from John Long. I know. I know. The, the, That's a pretty good compliment. The dip in the, uh, the, Although, he said the same thing to Stephen Dimmitt. All right. Forget <laughs> it then. You know, it. I have to say, I appreciate, you know, I don't know if it was a Pacifico, but when we topped out Mount Watkins and our friend Drew Smith, was the first the only the first and only time I've seen Jesus was Drew Smith walking to us with pizza and beer on top of Watkins. Yeah, on top of Mount Watkins. Nice. I don't think it was Pacifico. I think it was some other Mexican beer. Well, when it's hot out and you've been and you're actually thirsty, in my opinion, there's no there's no substitute for Mexican beers for cervezas because they actually feel refreshing. They feel if they're cold enough, they feel refreshing. Drew Smith, how long have you known Drew? Boy, I don't know. Um, I think ever since my first real season in Yosemite, uh-huh. probably 2016, uh-huh. and it was great because we hadn't I hadn't seen Drew and or climbed with him in years, and so it was fun to catch up with him and then yeah, have him join us on the summit at the end of that long day mm-hmm. with his girlfriend Ree, who's awesome, and yeah, brought us pizza and beer. It was amazing. Who'd you climb that way? Um, Scott Bennett. Oh right, Scott. Do you know Scott? Yeah, I know Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's great. You should have him on the show. Yeah, we've talked about it. He's got he's got a lot of good stories. Yeah, he kind of like uh I don't know, he's he seems like he has sort of a on and off public persona. Yeah, totally. You know, like, Which I kinda I kinda I kinda like his vibe for and, that reason. Right. Yeah. And he boy, yeah, he's done a lot too. Pretty good writer. whenever he does something significant, he generally comes out with a pretty good blog post. Mm-hmm. He did a good one about the triple as well. Right. But that's who I'm actually going to climb with uh this weekend. Okay. Where are you going? Uh Rocky Mountain. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to I've never climbed there before. Um he's climbed there a bunch and yeah, we just had so much fun climbing the triple together and really the kind of first partner I have where I feel like I can, you know, go after a lot of the, the bigger goals I may have dreamed up and and so if he comes up with something and pitches me his idea, even if I have no idea what it is, like I'm gonna say yes because I know Scott has a taste for that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. if we team up, it's gonna be rad. So <clears throat> you're you're using uh, Yosemite Speak, the triple. Yeah, yeah. What is it, what is it exactly, and what are the rules, dude? It's the triple. It's the Yosemite Triple Crown. It's I mean, it's absurd with the rules and everything. But I like how Timmy Timmy O'Neill describes it. He's like, when you're eating grade sixes for breakfast, like you got to have a three course meal: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in the Yosemite speak, the uh, the Triple Crown is um, El Cap, uh, Half Dome, and Mount Watkins. Okay. In a day, and in a day can either be defined by an you know an arbitrary twenty four hour window mm-hmm. or an actual twenty four hour day. You know, twelve a.m. Right? Yeah, at twelve p.m. Okay. Yeah. Which that's what we went for. Each one kind of has their own challenges. So what do you mean by that? Like you started at midnight? Yeah, we started at midnight. Whereas in the past, you know, for something like 
Golden Gate in a day or whatever. Actually, I, started, I think I started at midnight for that on also. But, you know, sometimes you start at 5 a.m. Right, or right. sometimes you start at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. and climb through the night or, or whatever. So it really just depends on on uh, how you want to approach it. But 24 hours is like the, the arbitrary goal that right. we go for, see how much climbing you can do in a single day. Yeah, and it's by hook or by crook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Not free climbing, which some people get confused but not entirely aid climbing. It's by any means climbing, right. which, uh, which to climb that, you know, 7,000 7, feet of Yosemite granite in a day, most of it has to be free climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, just to move faster. Yeah, yeah just yeah. to move fast right, enough. Right. But then, you know, that's only efficient to a point where if you're trying to free climb something harder, sometimes it's easier to just go into aid right. mode. So you're just pulling through, grabbing yeah. stuff, whatever. Had you tried it before or was it a first time? No, no, it was the first time. You know, kind of a natural progression in the uh, Yosemite link-up game if you're into that kind of thing. Alex Honnold and I climbed the nose in Half Dome in a day in 2017, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's like the classic link-up that Croft and Backer did in 87 or whatever. No, I think that was I think that was the first time anybody ever climbed two grade sixes in a day. Right. And so that was, that was uh, game-changing at the time upping the ante from, you know, John Long and Billy um, climbing um, and Bridwell climbing the nose in a day. So, yeah, it's kind of just the next the next step after after that link up. So Alex and I did that in 2017, and you look over at, at Watkins, and you're like, dude, that's the next one. And, of course, Alex had already soloed the, soloed the triple and free climbed it with Tommy, which is insane. They, I, was, I couldn't remember if they had freed them all. Yeah, they had in yeah. 2012, which right. is the year I graduated high school. Right. I mean, you know, I didn't learn about it till years later. But to this day, especially after having climbed it not free, like I right. said, we maybe freed 80% of it. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's one of the most badass feats of free climbing, at least in Yosemite, mm-hmm. that is probably largely misunderstood. Or, yeah, I, I just think it's hard for people to understand, like, what that means. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you on that because... I mean, we, it's just, like those two guys are just operating this place where they've done so much rad shit that it's just, it's like they've, you know, they've sort of diluted their own reputation, yeah. <laughs> right? You're just like, of course they did. Of right. Course Whenever they, they do something new yeah. and big, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, just Alex and Tommy out there being superheroes. It's hard right. for other people to uh, understand unless it's, you know, done by somebody else that's maybe seen more as normal or human <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty incredible for sure to i mean just banging away on all those finger locks and all those smears and on your feet and just dude it, yeah. I'm, oh, i mean i'm so i'm so envious of their <laughs> partnership because i mean they're both superheroes in their own right and the fact that they get to to team up and do the raddest things together i mean that doesn't happen you yeah know? yeah scott right now is kind of like my equivalent partner mm-hmm. that I can do that kind of stuff with. And yeah, it's hard to find those kind of partnerships, but when they, when they come together, rad things happen. What else has been going on? Shit. When was the last time we, we were, we were, we've been trying to figure this out tonight. So yeah. you came on the Enorma cast four or five years ago. It was at the trade show. Do you know, do you remember? Yeah, I think it must've been, it had to be 2016. Right. Because that would have been the year I graduated college and my first time going to the OR show, I think. And I was I was just like thinking about it. I'm like, why the fuck did I even want to talk to you? 
if you listen to it again, I believe I ask you the same question. Because <laughs> I'm like, In the what the fuck? Beginning. What had he done at that point? I climbed a free rider. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think. And now everybody's climbing the free rider. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I saw this. Well, you know, I, I discovered you. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I fully discovered you, bro. You're welcome. <laughs> You're my scouting agent. I don't know. I, it was just one of those things. And I, I like clued into something you were doing on Instagram or whatever. You're really good at the social media, actually. Um, Thanks. You know how I am good at it? Because you're 20-something. How old are you now? 27. Okay. No, I try not to be good at oh, it. And then <laughs> I try not to put too much thought in that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Well, maybe that's it, right? The authenticity or... I mean, but there is, you know, you're 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 good at keeping up with it. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. So it's there. Yeah. I mean, I realize that's the, the age we live in and... Right. As part of, like, my position now as an athlete is to, you know, be current and... Yeah, so I try and interact in a way that feels fun and authentic to me but well the cool thing i mean you were literally we met at the or to do the interview uh outdoor retailer which is actually apparently happening yeah i was about to mention yeah yeah yeah. so so (laughs) everybody's just like for that very reason i think we're exactly almost five years because it happens next week you know you were the classic dude they're hustling like had it like a couple things (laughs) on your resume you know bright smile yeah Boy, looking back at that, I was like, it's hard to imagine or remember what exactly I was thinking. <laughs> no, it was what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And that's just, yeah. th- look, it's it's the thing, it's the it's the key to it all is that, and we've, we've talked about this, I know, a lot, but like, what does it mean? How do you get sponsored? What does it mean to be sponsored? Like, you know, it's it's always been this a little bit like opaque thing to people yeah. like who aren't in the in the business and it really has always come down to hustling and who's gonna hustle like everybody's like well that guy's sponsored but i know these guys that live in my town that climb way harder than him and it's like well yeah, yeah but they don't hustle yeah and it's always about the hustle I, I feel like i should hop on my soapbox about that for a second because a lot of people think that things are just handed to you mm-hmm. and at least in my experience Yeah, and unless you're somebody, but even even, unless you're somebody like Alex or Tommy or Chris Sharma or Andra, like, sure, things, when you're performing at that level, things might be given to you a little bit easier. But even then, they they have to ask for way more than people are aware of. Right. And, And yeah, so for myself, the only sponsorship out of the ones that I have that I didn't ask for myself was Arcteryx. And that blew my mind when they were like, came to me, you know? I was like, you what? <laughs> they heard the normal cast, dude. Yeah, he did actually. He was like, "Oh, I was <laughs> my manager, Justin." Yeah. All right. Well, upon I'm our first call, he's like, "Oh, I was, my, uh, I was just." Cut. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll take the, the second, <laughs> the last third of this van. Well, I'm, that's my. I want that part of it. <laughs> but yeah, so any young climber out there wondering how to make it, like, yeah, nothing is handed to you. You have to work, work hard for it, and ask for it, and yeah. be willing to go out there and. Yeah, and put yourself out there. Yeah, totally. And that's what you literally you were doing at that show. You were going to meetings and trying to like make your potential seem, you know, what it was. But the thing is, is you weren't full of shit because you've in the five years since then, you've become a very consummate professional, in my opinion. Thank um, you. you know, the, the the social media thing, you know, I know 
when we get on that, we can sound like we're dissing it, but I wasn't. It's like you're oh, okay. good at it. It's like <laughs> well, and I that's mean, just a small part of it too. You yeah, know that also, but it's a piece of it. Yeah, you know. So in the years since we talked last time, which we figured out was about five years ago, um, at the OR show, you spent a lot of time in Yosemite, seasons after seasons in mm-hmm. Yosemite. And the thing I want to actually get into sort of climber to climber is how that's possible. Because I don't... How what's possible? Just... Climbing in Yosemite? Just living in Yosemite. And, oh. and like, stuff has changed so much since I was there. Yeah. And actually, you know, I was there a couple, two years ago or whatever when we went up to Golden Gate. Um, but we were basically, like, in Yosemite for a day and then we were on the wall and then we... We left the night we came down because we watched we watched the man come and clean out the meadow. Like <laughs> right when we got to our car that night after topping out, busting. going down, wrapping, carrying all our shit out. We got out like 1030 at night and we were about to be like, okay, well, let's just crash here. And we watched them just, it was like Memorial Day. And so they were like cleaning it out. Like yep. it was, it was cleaning night. They do that a few times a season. Yeah, and so they just and so we were like, all right, we got to get out of here. So then we had to drive our asses up over Tioga Pass and and like deliriously drove finally out of the park on the other side to the east side. That's a long oh, yeah. drive. Oh, it was heinous, dude. Wow. And then we threw our bags out. We like, you know, literally got out of the park and then just like pulled off somewhere, threw our bags out, and then it started to rain. Boy, in the van was all filled with shit so it was like we had to dump everything out that was brutal what an epic end to an already epic yeah it was super i mean it was like a honestly like a 17 hour day most dangerous thing we did all day was to be driving oh yeah delirious driving that sleep deprived yeah and hauling ass too dude more we knew the next day was uh friday of memorial day weekend and we knew we just like everybody was like you got to get out of here before it like yeah before it blows up I mean, so to answer your question, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I tell everybody that I hate Yosemite unless I'm rock climbing. Right. Because when you're on the walls, you're really not having to deal with a whole lot. Right. Other than maybe some other climbers. But all the other times in between when you're on the valley floor and when you're driving the loop and you're looking for parking, you're trying to figure out where to camp and you're dealing with tourists and you're trying to go to the village store and get some food. Like, it sucks, dude. It sucks. But my willingness to put up with all of those things, I think, is just a testament to how good the the climbing is. If mm-hmm. the climbing wasn't that good, I wouldn't bother. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, I, re- I really like climbing history, and there's so much history in, in Yosemite climbing, and so many, all of my biggest, like, climbing heroes have all been significant Yosemite climbers. And so, and I'm very aware of how the generations have changed and how, you know, each one has different, rules and regulations and how it's essentially gotten more strict but i just figure if i want to be a yosemite player and this is the generation i'm in and this is the state of the rules and regulations in the park if you, if you want to play the game you just have to deal with it well and let me so. that, but i want to know about the game okay the because game. i just I, I mean maybe these are secrets <laughs> to be revealed and like no not but, really but like i just uh, let, let's go back again so in the years that i was there it was chill. Like, yeah. you know, you couldn't just flat out sleep in the open or in, and every once in a while they would like sweep through camp four in the middle of the night and check your passes, which I, it was like kind of wild, you know, like stormtrooper kind of crap. Yeah. We didn't even have bear boxes in, in, in the meadow. 
because there had like the bears just hadn't gotten that bold. Like you just left your food in your car. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, there was all these options, but it was still this game, you know, the caves were still there and all that sort of stuff. And now I just imagine like these, you know, these herds of vans, like trying to find their places to like be, you know, outside the gates or whatever, like what, like what? How? Where do you sleep? Like, what do you do with your van? Like, yeah. how does it work? So the example that I followed was Alex Honnold okay. in uh, Valley Uprising. He talks okay. about to play by the rules. He drives outside the park right. every night, and they have a shot of him, you know, sleeping ba- at the El Portal entrance. Yeah, but a bunch of cars haven't they shut all that shit yeah, down too? Yeah, well, so that's the thing is that Ale- <laughs> Alex blew that up. <laughs> Alex blew that up for everybody because now you go to El Portal vans lining both sides of the roads oh i and, and that, i was I remember seeing that yeah i was one of those vans right. for for a number of years and i saw it get incrementally more crowded but then that also just gets really old driving completely out of the park it's like a half hour drive one way so you're driving an hour a day just to commute to the climbing which maybe that's not a big deal a lot of people commute to work so that's basically one option is to drive outside of the park which there's three park entrances, and if you're in Yosemite, you can really do, only drive out of two of them, one of which is really far away in Wawona. The, right. sec- the closest one is El Portal. So El Portal is getting hammered yeah. by climbers. Right. The other option is to sleep in the boulders. And for climbers like Brad Gobright, who lived in a you know Honda Civic or something, like he can't sleep in his car anyway, so setting up camp in the boulders makes sense. But now there's so many climbers with vans, and you're like, why the fuck would I sleep outside on a rock when i can sleep in my nice van i just need to find a place to park it right so yeah you can you know you can try and get away with it and um and park illegally but unless you have a pretty discreet rig it's really obvious for the rangers to tell totally yeah yeah not, and so they're not so like you're, you're li- even back in the day that was an issue right yeah like you're likely to get busted. your truck and you'd have to like pretend to be asleep or like <laughs> not be in there and they'd be like we know you're in there when i when i had my <laughs> when i had my minivan i could i could i could consistently minivan, yeah. i slept in the park illegally for months right and never got caught and i was really proud of that yeah because my minivan could blend blend in. Yeah, totally. There was one night that they were going around and busting people, mm-hmm. and I woke up and heard heard them, and I like snuck out of my door and like walked around like I was on a phone call or something until they left. <laughs> but okay, yeah. so that's another option is to try and <laughs> sleep in the boulders. But and people still do that. Yeah, but aren't they like? I mean, you go, you're like, okay, I'm going to go up in the boulders, and you're like, oh, somebody's home, up, oh, somebody's home, up, oh, somebody's home. I don't think it's that oh, really? popular. No. Right. And, and of course, there's a lot of boulders in Yosemite. Right. And yeah, the but main, there's the good ones. Yeah, the main one is above yeah. Camp 4, but in my opinion, that's like also the most obvious. Right. So if I, if you're smart, dirtbags might look elsewhere. Okay. Because there's plenty of other places to, to, to do that in the valley. So that's an option. Park illegally, drive outside. What I've resorted to... And this is, yeah, I'm pretty like fortunate to have this, uh, is friends in the park. Sure. But my friends that live in the park live in Yosemite West, which is the same distance and the same amount of driving, the same wear and tear in your car as it is driving to El Portal. So it's really not that much difference. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit more private. Right. But yeah, dude, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. I, the real thing and is you could be an employee 
and get worked to death and then lose all of your desire to climb <laughs> and then spend your time like partying with all the other haggard employees <laughs> and drink and hate your life because that's what they seem that's the effect they seem to have on a lot that's of people. That's not changed at all either. So <laughs> I knew I kind of identified that early on and I was like I'm not going to work in Yosemite. I want to like mm-hmm. this place mm-hmm. and I already kind of hate it with the the popularity, right? Right. Um, and so I know that I, it would, it would kill it for me if I had to, to work. There. Well, it's funny because all those things were exactly the same. Yeah. So just more, more or less so, but it's like, really just, it's really a just a little, left. a little stricter yeah. and maybe a little bit more crowded. Yeah. That's really it. Not well, much, not much has changed. The van thing has changed. The van thing has totally changed. Yeah. I mean, you go to El Cap Meadow now and dude, sprinters, right. Pro masters. I could see. Dodge, yeah, just down the line. Right, right. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Um, but that's just the climbing world in general. Yeah, just the climbing world in general. But I just I just kind of like um I always I, I imagine like it's like the opposite of cockroaches. When you when you shine the light on cockroaches, everybody scurries. Yeah. And in Yosemite when it gets dark, everybody scurries. Like the vans <laughs> all scurry into all these little yep. nooks and crannies. Um and I the the best case scenario is to have friends with an employee. Or a resident, mm-hmm. and you get to park at their house. Right, but that's hard. And I mean, and plus some like, people uh, might po- some people might be surprised, but like the most famous Yosemite climbers right now are Alex and Tommy, and they don't get special treatment. You know, they have to play by the same rules. Right. And in a lot of ways, I, I like that about climbing that right. it doesn't really matter. It's a pretty level playing field. But at the same time, with the increasing popularity of climbing um, and climbing in Yosemite, like. If I worked for the park, I would see, you know, what Tommy and Alex have done and, you know, their films. They, they, they're basically advertising for Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And if I worked for the park, I'd be like, hey, like, let's work together. Let's make a deal. So I, that's the kind of initiative I want to see with the, the National Park Service moving mm-hmm. forward is kind of working a little bit more closely with the climbers, especially the, 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 I'm biased here, but the pro, the bro climbers who are, advocating for their parks you know making it a little easier for them to to live and to you know it can be a mutually beneficial relationship and yeah but do they need more business i don't know if they do i don't think they do (laughs) and i mean realistically they don't want (laughs) all we needed was i mean the tourists needed was a deadly pandemic to like boost their numbers through this through the freaking roof (laughs) they probably yeah they probably don't see the value of climbers uh coming to the park they just want the the tourists being pumped through there yeah. I mean that's always been the issue, right? They what was the the old line? They stay stay the longest, spend the least. Well, let's talk about Yosemite climbing. Let's okay. Say. All right, right, right. I just <laughs> enough I just, about the stu- the I, shit. Like I said, Yosemite sucks unless you're climbing. So let's talk about the awesome parts. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just wanted the logistics. I just was yeah, like that's how the does logistics. it work now? How get, do all I these get people asked, get absorbed? I get into, asked that a lot. Because it felt the same back then, like there was too many of us for all the spots. Yeah. You know, and you would, you'd be like, oh, I have this pull out thing and you'd pull in and you'd be like, fuck, somebody's here. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And uh, anyway, so. It's like that. I mean, that's the same more. everywhere, really, mm-hmm. nowadays. But um, anyway, that that's why I brought it up. I know. I don't want to harp that's on part it of the That's part of the Yosemite crux nowadays is, is being able to figure those things out on your own because it's not necessarily the kind of beta that everybody wants to share. Right, right. And that's not the beta I'm just spraying all over the internet. Right. And people ask me a lot. And. I figured it out on my own, so right. I'm generally like, you can figure it out on your own, too. Yeah, we just ran scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we just was like, Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, we're, 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 we have no options. We don't, 
we have it. We you know we we were like the the carpet baggers that had no beta because we don't hang out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I actually got a place because right, you would come in and just smash and grab. Well, the but, other thing is, I I you know knowing all this, I was like, I got a place in El Portel, yeah. which was extremely expensive. Totally. But it was like, fuck it, I only got two weeks, so let's yeah. spend the t- the two or three nights beforehand there, and we don't have to fuck around, and then we get up on the wall. Yeah, you're on the yeah. wall, and you're yeah. done. And it was that's, definitely worth it. That's what a lot of the older climbers, like like Mark, you yeah. know, he doesn't spend seasons there like I do. He comes right. in, he does his route, and right. he leaves. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about the climbing yeah. in Yosemite. Let's talk about Golden Gate. Dude, you're, totally. You're... you're, uh, you're, you're I'd love to talk about Golden Gate because that's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty big story. There's a lot, I, mean, there, I just mean that there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And I think, didn't I talk about it on the show last time in my, like I had, you know, started a, an attempt on mm-hmm. Golden Gate mm-hmm. yeah. when, when Tim and Jason died, right? And yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, we did talk yeah. about that. Yeah. I guess I could just pick up there. Yeah. You know. Was that in your first show? Yeah, it wasn't my first show. That had just happened. Oh, that had just happened. Yeah. Okay. Or were you climbing on the, that was off, oh yeah, that was on the Golden Gate. Yeah, yeah. That's right. My friend Jeremy and I were on, you know, day one of mm-hmm. what would have been a six day push and right. on the free blast when, when that accident happened. The accident were. Dude, that rattled my, that rattled my world, which right. we talked about. Right. Um, God, it had just happened. Yeah, it had just happened. That's right. I think that's also why you wanted to talk to me. No, because I. Th- or part of it. I want to say that we had already been talking about doing one. Because it, I mean, it was super fresh. Because I sent you a message about it. Yeah, I could. And be, I, I, could I don't think I would have sent you a message about it cold if we hadn't already been right, chatting. Right, right. Like I yeah. wouldn't have just been like, "Oh, this Jordan Cannon guy needs to hear from me." Yeah. Right at this very cruxy moment, and I know I sent you a message about it, about dealing with it. So we had to have been like kind of chatting yeah. before that. It wasn't like, oh, cool, I'll talk to this guy because he saw this thing. This right, right, right. No, I know. Right. <laughs> I didn't mean I'm to not that kind that. of like <laughs> podcast guy. Like I'm like TMZ. Like let's get him when he's in his worst possible moment and see what happens. I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that was that was around the same time. Yeah. I, oh, I, no, I, for I sure. I remember talking about yeah. that on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gold, Golden Gate was was my goal for, for the year that I put a lot of effort into preparing for and, and training for and everything. And, and, uh, yeah, when then, when that accident happened, it really, yeah, it really, uh, shifted my direction in climbing at the time. Um, especially in Yosemite because my, my partner, Jeremy, um, who's still a really good friend of mine, you know, an accident like that is going to have different effects on, on people. And it hit him in, in a way, different than it hit me and it really split our partnership up Mm -hmm. um and he was like my big wall partner you know we were he was my guy that i was free climbing stuff with and so um after that he kind of he didn't really want to be in the valley and i kind of did i wanted to 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 climb there and to still pursue my to my goals is you know using climbing as a way of like healing from that from that accident but i really wasn't able to get back to that route until the following season my friend callan um, who he's been mentioned on the show many mm-hmm. times. He's he's supported me up many El Cap routes, and he was there the day of the accident. He was jugging up the heart lines, you know, parallel to the accident to bring us some like food and water to support our push. And yeah, when he learned that Jeremy wasn't psyched to go back and try, but I was, he was like, "Oh, dude, I'll support you. I'll support you in the fall, like the following season, you know." And so yeah, I planned for that. We we gave a we gave an attempt in the fall, and. 
this is after I had, you know, after I had met Mark in the summer and, you know, got to, got to climb with him and to really regain my bearings. Cause I was very scared climbing after, after that accident and, you know, being worried about my rope cutting or gear pulling or, you know, partners taking epic falls. And yeah, so I really had to, to rebuild. And so when I met Mark, we were able to really work well together for that reason. Cause I wasn't really looking to like be very extreme in my climbing or, or too difficult in my climbing at the time. But yeah, so I went back with my friend Callan on the, uh, to do, I think we did a six day push up, up Golden Gate in the fall. And I was definitely more prepared mentally to do it. We did the route, but it was, it was a battle for sure. And I was definitely still like struggling up there. And Callan, I don't think he had put um, that much thought into his own mental state. And mm-hmm. I think he realized up there that he had a lot of things that he needed to, to work on with in regards to like his PTSD after something like that. And so that was, that was a tough ascent. And I came, I came, you know, I came within a uh, free climbing one pitch of doing the whole route. I, I just failed on the, the A5 traverse. And then we had an epic ascent to the top, you know, I was bummed. Of course I had like given everything I had and it was day six and we had to top out and I gave one more attempt on the, the A5 traverse and I didn't send. And I was like, well, there's five glorious pitches of 511 to the top. Like let's at least have fun and enjoy the rest of the day. And then the first pitch of the razor blades I'm run out off the, off the anchor trying to get to like the first bolt and I'm like about to clip the first bolt, really run out. And I have like one piece above the anchor and I break a part of the flake and I take this big whipper and like swing into the blade underneath and hit my face on the hall bag and my glasses broke and I was like bleeding and I had this huge cut. That's when you cut your hand Yeah, I had this huge cut on my right hand and I just just looked up at the fear in Callan's eyes and knowing that I was the only person who was going to get us to the top and I just like weeped (laughs) i was like why (laughs) like why does this route have to be so epic yeah so i basically by any means necessary scrapped my way to the top but one pitch away from the top you know that that last 511 which you can't aid you cannot you cannot aid i I did not i did not know this well i tried that fucking ate yeah. the hell out of that and dude finally me too. Had, you couldn't do it you can't do it <laughs> my friend my friend tom my friend tom chapin was was watching from the meadow uh down below and he was cheering me on he's like you're almost there dude and i hear like uh, cheering me on in a text like i i'm hanging on this pin being like how the fuck do i get to the top of this thing because i was in so much pain and i was scared mm-hmm. that i didn't want to free climb more than i had to so i'm hanging there just like contemplating life and being really upset and your phone's and my phone my phone buzzes and I like pull it out and Tom's like you're almost there dude you got it and I like and I like impulsively called him I was like Tom I'm fucking epic king right now <laughs> I was like I don't know how to get to the top of this damn route anyways uh you know I basically just had to muster up some courage and try grip my teeth and like free climb that bit and yeah. get to the top yeah and you know we got to the top and the sun is going down and and I'm trying to haul the last pitch and there's all those roofs and so. I was expecting the bag to get stuck. And so I kept hearing Callan yell, stop, you know, whenever I would haul, assuming that the bag was getting stuck and he, you know, had to wait for him to free it. But then (laughs) I later learned when he got to the top, I was like, dude, what was up with the haul bag? And he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, man. I was really scared. And I just, I kept tying in short to the haul bag. So it wasn't actually getting stuck. You were just pulling on me. And... (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh and then he also was very scared jugging the lead line because he tied like 50 backup knots in the lead line and then i couldn't pull the lead line up but it was stuck and so i was like fuck it we're bailing like i just want to get off this damn mountain and so we basically just shit showed all of our stuff up there and we left we left our rope just fixed to the tree just like dangling in the wind with all these knots in it and we just ran down the east ledges to try and make it back in time for dinner and the next day or like i think brad gobra had gone up there in one of his in a day attempts whatever and he's like dude what was up with that rope (laughs) i was like i don't even want to talk about it so yeah i came back for the golden gate with callan very thankful for for his support but had an epic ascent and was like dude what that like why does this route have to be so epic you know i wish and this two guys die at the start of this route and now i'm trying to come back like piece myself together and it just wasn't happening and so yeah it became a big big climb in my life you know in the meantime and you know it's been a running joke with andrew and i that like you know emily harrington like came in and and you know did it yeah just a little bit before you did and we've joked, you've joked about it with us uh, on the run out about how it was like every, she did it and no one cared that you did it. Right. Um, I forgot to mention, that's right. my main reason for coming on the show was to accept my award officially. The, the, the Jorg Verhoeven award. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot your plaque. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to come by and get it. Well, at least it's on the record now that I've accepted my award. Thank you. Thank you very much for your consideration. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is a different show, so we have to explain what the Jorg Verhoeven Ward is. Right. Is that uh, I think I, I don't even know how if I'm pronouncing his name right. And I, actually, I would love to have yeah, him Jorg. on the show. Jorg Verhoeven. Yeah, Jorg Verhoeven um, did, did, I think, what it was the fourth ascent of the nose, free yeah. ascent of the nose. Just And then the dihedral wall. And, the, and he also, yeah, freed the dihedral wall, which is, as I've mentioned on the Tommy uh, Caldwell episode, is is something that. Even when Tommy did it, was sort of lost to history as how badass that is. Yeah, it's a is. big deal. It's a big deal. And then no one cared because the Don Wall blew up like just a few days later, a few weeks later after his season. And so it was like nobody cared. So the Jorg Verhoeven Award is when you do something that is totally rad and should receive all the media attention, but something else happens to, to, you know, sort of like steal your thunder. Yeah. Um, but when did uh, when did Emily get involved and like you guys start to know about each other's worlds on the uh, on the Golden Gate? We actually met, I think, before my very first attempt on okay. the on Golden Gate with Jeremy. Right. Um. And yeah, you know, I met met her and um and Nellie, you know, Cedar's wife. Mm-hmm. I met them in the cafeteria. And uh, yeah, I just approached them and told them about my goal and shared a nice conversation as, as climbers and got some beta and encouragement from, from her because that was a big reason why I wanted to try Golden Gate honestly mm-hmm. um, was not because it was the next easiest route after the free rider which that's a big reason but because there was this awesome video that John made um, John Glassberg made that I saw on YouTube you know mm-hmm. when I was in college and it was like that looks amazing and Emily's like grit and determination and perseverance and seeing that through to the end and sending was like so inspiring to me and so so emily's been a hero of mine since then so yeah that so i met her before my first attempt right you know so after my attempt with after my attempt with cal in i was like all right when am i going back and this was this was right when i had met mark you know he was on an adjacent he was on a netherrealm cap route while i was epicking on this on on golden gate but that was in the fall and you know this was before our big free rider season which we've talked about on previous uh previous episodes and run out episodes 
And so he was just about to go to Mexico for the winter and we were planning to pick up in the spring. And so the goal was for Mark to do the free rider and for me to do Golden Gate. And that spring I, I was able to do Golden Gate and Mark supported me over four days and I had like an awesome ascent. It was really great. And not not to put anything on, on Callan, but like I said, he was kind of blindsided by his mental trauma from witnessing the accident while he supported me up my first time topping out the route. I was able to see the difference climbing with somebody like Mark who was able to relieve a lot of that like mental stress on me because he was just there so, to support me and he was you know fully game for everything yeah and, and he's so, also an incredibly it, dialed wall climber totally and so that that was huge that was really what I what I needed to have to have the experience that I wanted and you know I, I got to see my goal through to the end yeah and kind of reflect on my first attempt and this accident and going back with Callan and then you know meeting Mark and developing this great partnership and him supporting me up and that was really great but then mark wasn't able to give an attempt on the free rider that year for various reasons and so our plans for that got pushed to the fall and i was like well since i'm done with golden gate like and i'm spending this time with mark on the free rider still i might as well try and do it in a day because that was always a goal at some point mm-hmm. and at the same time emily was trying to do golden gate in a day and yeah, and I was just watching her progress and watching her attempts. And, you know, we even camped on the summit one night um, with her partner, Anna, and, and Mark and I. And, yeah, so we were both kind of pursuing, you know, free climbing El Cap in a day at the same time, just via, via different routes. And I did the free rider in a day that season, and, and Emily got really close on Golden Gate. And, we were, and she was like, oh, you should try Golden Gate next year. And I was like, yeah, that would actually be really rad. And so that's kind of how we started uh, – coordinating and you know working towards this goal i mean i don't want to say together but like right. at the same time yeah yeah but it feels like that i think sometimes when you're yeah well yeah. it did it did become that because emily became emily emily became a friend of mine last summer basically i ended up in ten sleep with emily and a bunch of her friends mm-hmm. um you know on like my first you know u.s sport climbing road trip and yeah it was very clear like she was training for Golden Gate in the day in the fall, and and I was doing the same. And then once we were both in Yosemite, we got to team up together for a few prep missions. She had been there before me and had, and was uh you know getting a little more dialed, and so she was ahead of the game in terms of her preparation. And I and I was happy to to play like the last like be the last piece of the puzzle before she was ready to send. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool working with you know because John is making a film about Emily and this ascent. And it was really cool to see the whole story come full circle from like, like I said, I was inspired by Emily in the video that John made when I was in college. And then I went and climbed that route. And here I am climbing on the route with Emily and John filming where we're both trying to do it in a day now. And like, that was amazing to see, see how climbing can, you can evolve or develop those kind of partnerships and friendships from people you once looked up to. Well, with Emily's ascent too, she you know she kind of epic at the end and then and then pulled it off, dude. Yeah, which and, wait till you see the footage; it's yeah, outrageous. Yeah, it's I, gonna I'm be so looking rad. Forward to it, yeah. And I mean, your ascent though, it sounds like was more uh, just by the book. How do you mean? Well, I mean, you you went up and sent it. You didn't have any sort of like full on like face smashing whippers. Or no, no, like my that. right. My ascent was definitely less epic. How did but, it feel? But I mean, you know, you know, I I tried it on Halloween a right. few days before Emily sent. Right. Um, and then, and then I went back like what a, a week on that later. One? 
basically poor poor tactics and and dealing with the heat one big thing about like you you have to have really good tactics to be able to pull off you know a free ascent of el cap in a day especially a route as hard as hard as golden gate and everything went so well and well there's one thing i'd like to say before this like i had a moment one thing i really appreciate in climbing now is the opportunity to try you know when all the stars align that give you the best opportunity to really try your best, those moments are few and far between, I think. Because, you know, sometimes uh, you, don't get, you don't get the best conditions or you don't have the right partner or you know, whatever. And as things came together for my, my ascent, you know, I didn't have a partner. And Mark was on an El Cap route with his friend Scott doing an aid wall. And I was like, Mark, like, I'm really ready. I want to try a Golden Gate. Like, will you support me? And he was supposed to drive to Mexico the next day, but he stuck around one day to support me, which meant a lot. And so I had a partner. The weather was perfect. It was going to be Halloween. My friend Max was going to wrap in to take some photos. There was, there was going to be a party with some of my friends afterwards. You know, I was like, man, this is like the epic day. And it felt like it was all coming together. And I was just driving into the valley like that day, you know, in preparation for my my attempt starting that night and I was I like looked at El Cap and I was just like teared up a little bit I was like dude this is the best like having the opportunity where everything comes together to just try your best send or no send like mm -hmm. that's I think that's the greatest thing so anyways my my first attempt was on Halloween and um I sent everything up to the A5 and then I failed on the A5 but the first epic thing that happened was the heat in all of our prep missions, wrapping in or climbing from the ground, it was always like cold up there in the sun. Mm -hmm. But then coming from the ground on my in a day attempt, we get to Tower of the People, you know, the last ledge, I don't know, not a few hundred feet from the top where the, the Golden Desert and then the A5 Traverse pitch, the last two crux pitches of the route are. And it was absurdly hot. And I was in this point where... I was like, boy, it's really too hot to send, but at the same time, what else are we going to do? Are we going to wait here till the sun or until the sun goes down and it gets dark again and the temps go down? And I hadn't really considered that as an option because I hadn't even considered the fact that it might be too hot to free climb in the sun. And when, you know, when you're up there, a day like that is kind of, it's like all about you, which is a little weird. It puts a lot of pressure on you and you feel a sense of, responsibility with the people playing into your big day like mark was there supporting me and i felt like a responsibility to not make his day that epic and my friend max my friend max wrapped in to take photos and you feel a responsibility to like make it worth his time and so you can put a lot of pressure on yourself that makes pulling off what you're trying to do even harder and so basically i threw myself at the a5 or the the golden desert like five times in a row and was just melting off and I like couldn't climb it at all. It was insane. It was so hot. And yeah, I lower back down to the ledge where Mark was hanging and Max comes down and I'm like, I'm like, I think I have to wait until the sun goes down, which was like six hours later. And I was like, is that like, are you guys down for that? And I was afraid to ask because that seemed absurd to ask for more of their time. And they were both psyched. They're both, you know, they're both willing to be there and support and um, and so that's what we did. We hung out on the ledge and we like napped and baked in the sun for a few more hours until the sun went down. And as soon as that pitch was in the shade and I, I tried it again, I did it first try. It was no problem. And the whole time I was like, man, I really should have just like had the foresight to just call it. Right. As soon as I knew it was too hot. And then of course I was too smoked. I, I gave the A5 Traverse in the dark one try and was just like, this isn't happening. 
yeah, and so I, I gave it one more try because I had a bunch of friends, you know, like Emily and, and Alex and all my friends down in the valley and in the meadow. I could even hear some of them hollering and getting texts, you know. Some people are like, like James Lucas, he's like, dude, go to the death. And you're like, you're like, dig, you know, there's all that cliche stuff like, oh, dig deep, find something inside of you and like pull off some heroic feat. And I was already like, dude, what I already dug out what was, there, <laughs> what was ever there. Like there's nothing the well's left. The empty, baby. There's nothing right. left. And, and yeah, we, we dug out um, since we had, you know, Max had fixed some lines to wrap down and take some photos. And, and yeah, we, we hiked down and. I, I mean, I was, it was the most worked I've ever been. That was a really, really long day. It ended up being like, I don't know, 27 hour day or something overall. Yeah. Mark left the next day and I was like, that's it. That's my try. And then, and then, you know, I know Emily's planning to try in a few days. And of course I want her to send cause she already has had the same exact day I just had where she came within one pitch ascending. And I know she's put, she had put a lot more effort into it. And, but then I, and I'm in the Valley floor the day she's up there and I'm like watching through binoculars and I'm getting updates and I'm just like the same exact thing happened to her. She gets to the, the golden desert. It's too hot. And she's like struggling on this pitch. That's normally not that hard for her. And I'm like, Oh God, the same exact thing's happening to Emily. And I was really afraid that she wasn't going to pull it off. And then especially with her fall, you know, she hit her head and then, but Dude, that just that just speaks to Emily and and her preparation and her team that she had supporting her that day. She was much more prepared and she was ready um, because same thing. She had to wait for the golden desert to go into the into the shade and she sent first try and then you know at the end of that pitch before you start the A five, it's just a hanging belay. It's really hard to recover there. And she had the you know the tactic of bringing an inflatable portal edge and like hanging out for an hour. And then she brought knee pads so she could knee bar through the first bit, like first bit of the crux and like save that little bit of energy. And then she fucking pulled it off. And I was like, damn, that just shows she, she was more prepared than I was. And that really inspired me afterwards. And of course I was like a little bummed for myself. I was like, man, I really wish I would have like been able to make it happen when I had my chance. But of course was like psyched for Emily. Yeah. She had put more effort in and was more prepared and she had already failed in the same way that I had. So, and I, of course it would have been kind of lame had I done it before. Cause then she wouldn't have gotten the, the recognition and the attention and the, you know, everything that she deserved. Right. Yeah, She would have, you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure. No, I didn't want to totally. steal. I didn't want to steal her. Thunder. Well, maybe a little bit, but no, she, they're sorry, but okay, good. People would have for sure. I mean, you know, well, of course, she already has I mean, kind the of first this international woman to, following, and totally, yeah, and she's the first woman to the, free the, the groundwork was already laid. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like those people on you know the mainstream media just happened to notice her doing it. There, there was you know, yeah, there was there was a uh, groundwork laid for them to notice. Sure, <laughs> we can just say that. Okay, <laughs> I always thought that it was like a perfect storm kind of thing. <laughs> But anyways, I mean, you know, it's just part of being a professional, dude. Yeah, you totally. Get with it. Totally. <laughs> um, so I, I'm happy with how how it played out because I got I got to you know I stayed up. Late so who to, did who? So then who was dude, your partner so, for when you did it? Th- so this is the thing. This was like the biggest crux of the whole thing. Like I felt like I had had my chance. Right. I had my partner. It's like my time to wrap day. it up. Yeah, it was time to wrap it up because the weather went to shit after right. that. It snowed in the valley. It got really cold. It was raining. Mark, my, you know, my partner had left. 
You're just walking around Emily, kicking Emily, slush. Emily had already sent, and yeah, so I was in, and I was wrecked, dude, because I didn't plan for more than one attempt, and neither did Emily. Emily was like, I have my one attempt. If right. it doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. Right. And I kind of felt the same way. And so, and if you have more foresight going in, like if I would have pulled the plug earlier, knowing like it's not going to happen, I'm going to save energy and for another day. But I went to the death. And right. when you go to the death, it's like much harder to recover afterwards. But I took some notes out of Emily's book and she gave me some some beta and, and tactics. And she even went back up there with me one day. Well, we went back up there together. She posed down for some photos with mm -hmm. John, but then I got a few extra belays on the, the cruxes. But anyways, yeah, that was the that was the the biggest crux for me was piecing together another attempt and staying psyched to, to try it again and not feeling like I had to wait, you know, another year until the next season. Yeah, I was hanging out in the parking lot one day thinking about who I could get a partner and my friend Josh McClure rides up and I was kind of just randomly threw out there. I was like, hey man, would you climb Golden Gate with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, really? I was like, like it's a big day. It's going to be a lot of work. And he was like, yeah, no, that's cool. He's like, I've been wanting to like check that route out. It'd be fun. And he was great. And we did, uh, we did one big rap mission together to to rehearse the cruxes one more time. And and then and then yeah, he supported me and had like the perfect day. Did you pull out the portal edge and the uh, knee pads? We did. Emily let, Emily let me borrow her portal edge. Right. She she told me to bring knee pads. She left me some like gold duct tape up there. And this time I had the tactics. Right. You know, I like. That's what I'm really grateful for the the lessons I learned on that first failed attempt because they were they're game changer and definitely things I'll like take into other ascents down the road. Um but yeah, so I got to I got to the uh the golden desert, same thing. It was it was hot and I was like, dude, this sucks. And I knew I was like, Well, I'm gonna give it an attempt and if I if I don't pull it off, I'll just rest and wait till the sun goes down. Partially because of my preparation, I had that pitch way more dialed. I did it first try in the heat, and it was fine. And I was like, sick. It's too hot to try the A5. I'm going to come down. We set up the ledge. Um, we, like, hung our clothes off of it to create a little, like, sunshade. We, like, drank a bunch of water and food. I, you know, I had uh, my iPhone out. We were watching The Office on Netflix. Like, <laughs> we were chilling. We right. were chilling. And and recovering, you know, and uh, and then we went back up there as soon as the sun went down to try and fire off the last pitch, and I did it first try, and like, yeah, just totally bro totally broke down at the anchor, even more so than when I sent Golden Gate over four days with Mark the first time, mm -hmm. you know, because I then I really saw the whole thing come first full circle for myself, and and so yeah, that that meant a lot to me in that moment, and you know, I text Mark and he called me and was really psyched and and then yeah we just had to got to have a great experience to the top do you think you're getting a reputation as a crier maybe <laughs> <laughs> well, have i really cried that much <laughs> dude emily's known <laughs> john asked me that in an interview for emily's movie if like <laughs> yeah because emily's known for crying up there and she's just not afraid to let people see it and right. not afraid to give it her all and i i admire that because dude it's fucking hard up there a lot of tears have been shed on that pitch yeah. from failure and success. Yeah. From the greats like Brad Gobright, and I'm not saying that they cried, but like, you know, he failed there before. Martin Ethan, failed up Ethan, there. Ethan Pringle and Tommy and Alex have right. even fallen on that pitch before. So, like, yeah, a lot of broken dreams have been realized on that well, pitch. Well, it's, it's, I mean, 
you know, it's it's kind of like we were talking about with Tommy and Alex of like, oh yeah, they did this rad thing. Like, okay, cool. But like these big wall free climbs to you're saying, oh, everybody's been doing the the free rider, and it's true. And and, and but the 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 leap from the wall version to the in a day version, you're right? That is a big. It's humongous, big and you know we've mentioned this before because we've talked about the Golden Gate with my ascent and stuff too. Yeah. Um, which was nothing like yours. <laughs> we did climb it. That's all I can say. But, uh, you know, the Golden Gate thing is such is so rad because we're talking about failing, like, because you, you fail to get across this thing that's called the A5 Traverse. It's ironic. There, there's nothing A5 about it. No. There's what? It would be like A3 gear. if it was, yeah. if you were to actually ate it. Yeah, if you actually had to put the pins in that right. are already there. But yeah, it's it, all fixed. It's totally, like, fixed, and it... You know, there's it's no no stretch of the imagination to run out. The earlier pitches, but nevertheless, <laughs> point being is you you you've climbed thirty pitches or something when you get there. Yeah, you're yeah. like twenty two hundred feet off the yeah, ground. Yeah, I mean, and so it's like, oh, I failed, you know, because I I fell off of this thing that you're supposed to go from this kind of bullshit hanging hanging belay yeah. to a ledge. I mean, where you get to is is definitely like a proper belay. Mm-hmm. And that's a failure. But the fact is, is you've climbed this massive thing. You've already climbed 513 by the time you got there. Two pitches of it. Yeah. A shitload of 512. A shitload of, like, techie, scary, sometimes other free climbing. Yeah. But you failed because this rule that says you can. I know. It's, right. it's like, it's totally you, this mind-boggling You did free the thing. whole thing. But yeah. we climbed the whole route. Right. In, you know, in a day. But in terms of, like, but... athletic feet. Yeah. And again, even comparing it to other athletics, what you've done is astounding. Even in failures, even in yeah. failures. <laughs> sure, I mean, and, you know and, what I mean. Like, yeah, it's yeah, just, no, it's I know like what game you mean. Play and like, and I you say spent years like trying to clean up this right this thing. It's just it's so weird and intense when we we talk about it in climbing. Totally, and it's like it didn't garner you fame. I don't think it probably like added anything to your value as a sponsored athlete or anything like that no it was but it made completely me feel, personal it made me yeah. feel feel fulfilled right and of course we uh, you know i don't really like the word failure because you know yeah i didn't complete my goal i guess you could call that a failure right, right. but i learned so much right. and i had so much fun like that was even the day i didn't send like you know mark and i brought costumes because it was halloween we like wore them on the tower to the people and you know and like had a little party up there like it was so fun so even though I didn't like complete my goal, yeah, it's hard to call it a failure. It's but. just, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of it. But and in the fact that it was entirely, like I said, it was entirely personal, because again, like people have this idea that you know, quote unquote, professional climbers need to be up one upping themselves all the time, or or their their sponsors can be like, all right, what have you done lately? Yeah, <laughs> and on a large sense, like if you're if you if you drop out, if your presence sort of in the the public eye drops, you know, there's definitely a place where a sponsor will be like, well, what are we getting out of this? Yeah. But it's definitely not like, where's your latest send and tell me how rad it was. And was it radder than your last one? Right. So it's just interesting because it was a completely personal pursuit that like brought you to the edge of, you know, your mental capabilities, your physical capabilities, all for just, the hell of it really <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, it's an absurd game we play it's so but, absurd uh, we get into that level of it too yeah totally because right. there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance in the the like big wall free climbing in general mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then you know the whole in a day free ascents that's yeah just 
Well, and it's it's and and the fact that when we talk about oh yeah we went you know Emily and I went up there and we did you know she gave me some belays on these pitches and stuff like that and you're just like what you did in that like casual uh you know sort of recon mission oh, is yeah, a life that... <laughs> changing ascent for 99% of climbers. Yeah, what that means is we we hiked, we jugged to the top of a cap, right. we wrapped in like a thousand feet, we climbed and bladed. Yeah, it's like a full day. There's a lot of work that goes into that yeah. kind of so stuff. So it's it's just kind of it's like a I mean, this is a like a cool detailed story to go into like the very nitty gritty of what it takes to yeah. do something like and that. And I'm glad I'm getting to tell this, so thanks, because this is an important story to me that I, I don't think a lot of people are necessarily aware of when they, they, you know, see something like, oh, Jordan free climb Golden Gate in a day. Like there was a lot, you know, that was a big, big thing for me mm-hmm. just coming coming back to my, my first attempt and, you know, witnessing that accident and how that affected my climbing well we get again we get this feeling that it's sort of casual when mm-hmm. we see you know like i said when we see tommy we see alex and, and and actually you know another person and we should probably talk about him as well you know go bright yeah totally too. like he he sort of epitomized like the casual style and attempt at, at stuff like that you know what i mean yeah and i should you you know you jokingly asked me if i'm gonna get a reputation as being a crier but that was a big part of my emotion in trying this route is that before I even climbed with Brad for the first time and before we became friends, I had a photo that Dan Krause took of him failing on the A5 Traverse when he mm-hmm. tried to climb it in a day. And I just loved that photo, not only for the position and, and the lighting and the composition and everything, but you can just see how hard Brad is trying. And that's what I loved about Brad is he just always, always seemed to be able to give it his all and really really push himself and so which is what you're like yeah which is what you're saying with me in this ascent like that's what i'm really grateful for yosemite and El cap for because that is the climbing where i i yeah i feel most inspired and i feel most motivated and that's where i'm able to really like push my limits on this epic epic scale in so many different ways but yeah dude brad was brad was the og so that photo is actually at Alex's cabin in Tahoe. I mm-hmm. actually kind of want to bring it back now that I have a van. But he's he's right there on the south, eh, mm-hmm. in my van. He was kind of the, the king of the casual ascent, like you're saying. He had so many in a day free ascents of El Cap that he just seemed to like. Like one year he did three in a day free ascents. Right. Like three separate routes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the same day. You know, It's hard to say that. Yeah, no, I, I you know, what I mean. we get what you, I mean, and, and again, like, That's epic, dude. it's so epic. It's so epic. Like he's, and again, like forever hero, he, he just sat in this position where I, you know, he, he certainly was famous. He certainly got a lot of accolades and, and he wasn't very good at the hustle. Yeah. Um, that wasn't in his wheelhouse. It, it started to be, but it, it, at the, it, at the first, it definitely was not in his wheelhouse, but when he passed away at at some point i i posted something about that of just like everybody's saying what kind of great climber he was but we're not actually giving him his due even you can't hardly get there because yeah, he was so good and, but it just kind of went under the radar a little bit and he bit, wasn't you know? doing it for the recognition or necessarily his career it was the same kind of thing he yeah. was doing it because that's what he liked to it, do. It, Brad it was, was just out there doing his thing. Yeah. And regardless of sponsorship, he would have been doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No. I mean, he was like barely sponsored. Yeah. Right? 
Right. He was definitely wasn't the best the best pro. I didn't take many notes out of his book in that regard. <laughs> Although I met him but, at the, uh, at OR. I mean, not met him, but we we sat down at OR. Yeah. I met him years before that, but yeah, we sat down at OR. But yeah, he was a fish out of water at those things, a hundred percent, totally. Which is like why he was. I mean, I think he was such an icon in his own way. You know, because he was still that he was like the last breed of this like Yeah, we like those kinds of characters. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> the kind of climber I, I want to emulate is yeah, somebody who, who climbs for themselves but is also knows how to be a good pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's <laughs> two different paths. Like, yeah, I mean it was for better or worse, obviously. But yeah. uh so Brad's death happened in the last few years also as sort of your ascendancy in the Yosemite scene. Totally. So he was, a, he, I mean, he was, he was a, a big mentor of mine in a way. And yeah, I feel like he, he really helped me realize my potential in a way. Like, it, you know how you can sometimes have those partners who are, are better than you and more experienced than you and sometimes older than you, but you team up with them every now and then for this big thing that seems out of your wheelhouse. But then, you know, following their leads and, and their encouragement, you realize like, oh shit, like I can actually hang better than I thought. Brad was that partner for me, you know, right. I would team up largely most of the time to support him on, on goals that he had, but occasionally we would, you know, team up to climb routes that neither of us had done. And yeah, I would always surprise myself and, you know, he would always be like, dude, you, or you could come back and do this route next season. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I could. And yeah. And so I really felt like he was always just a few steps ahead of me paving the way. And I was kind of just like following his footsteps, you know? And when I, Climbed the free rider in a day the first time, like he was one of the first people I saw back in the, back down on the valley floor, you know, and he was all psyched. And then, um, and he was a big inspiration in addition to, to Emily, um, to go back and want to do Golden Gate in a day. And so mm-hmm. not to be forgotten there. So you, you have some other plans now for, for, um, in terms of following in his footsteps, for example, of, of in a day, a sense of, or repeating free climbs on El Cap, what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's so much emphasis on on El Cap climbing, which mm-hmm. I get kind of tired of after a while because, yeah, like El Cap is the the crown jewel of Yosemite, but there's so much good climbing in Yosemite, and so I don't ever want to just allude to think that that's like the main the main thing. There's I, there's so many other things I want to climb there also, but yeah, I've definitely like this past season in the Valley. Essentially, I got there late. I I I never have shown up earlier than may 1st but this year i showed up in may and it was like people had been there sending for like the past two months and i was like dude what (laughs) i was like it's it's hot already like it's i don't think i'm gonna be able to free climb any of the things i want yeah so i was definitely a little envious this season there were so many really rad climbers out there getting after it and and sending big roots and doing cool things and particularly on El Cap, and I felt I felt like a little left out, and I and I was kind of reflecting on my own climbing and thinking, yeah, I've done, you know, I've only done two El Cap routes free. I've gone back to do them in a day, which is a different thing. Um, but yeah, I'm really eager to to climb different parts of the wall and climb different routes, and and yeah, the whole in a day thing is really the like the most fun game I can think of the best way I've found to like really push myself. So. Motivate yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely, definitely interested in doing, doing well, more it's, of that. I was thinking about as you were talking, but also before this, like, you know, there was all these pieces and parts to this golden gate thing. Yeah. You know, and again, starting very tragically 
with uh with the accident mm-hmm. and i think i you know i i think i've expressed this before but how i don't know there's a there's a point in a climbing career at least i think where you have to be careful that you are or maybe not but it but it happens whether it's you accept it or not i guess or try to avoid it but you're like you're sort of trying to recreate an experience that you'd had previously it's been a little while since I've done an international trip, but that feeling of like, I'm going to this place I've never been and there's this like new language and it's just going to be one sort of crazy, uncomfortable adventure after another. And then I get there and I'm like, yeah, this is uncomfortable, but I'm really not that in, you know, it's like my whole view on it changed, but I want that same feeling. And, right. and in some ways, Golden Gate fits that for me. Like mm-hmm. I went there trying to have a certain type of experience and I was handed a completely different one. And, totally valuable experience but like you know i i kind of was there to kind of like recapture some sort of glory totally um, and i and i was just like like how can this you know your your breakdown on the end of that a5 traverse like sort of ever be topped you know yeah, Is that I, like yeah. A- <laughs> you're right i i'm not sure it ever could but you know who knows whatever you can maybe who knows what might happen in the future you know <laughs> right. there might be something right. even more epic well that's the thing right that the, the, you never the adventure because, is part of it right yeah. the, 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 that's the nature of adventure that's why you're looking for it that is that is a good thing to note though and I, the first time anybody told me anything like that was my first after i did the the free rider ground up um tom herbert told me that he was like He's like, you know, this is like, he could see it was a big deal for me. And he just, yeah, he wanted to make sure that I'm not chasing to to top that ex- those experiences. Right. And, and to, you know, see them for, value them for what they were at the time. Right. And right. yeah, so I think, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have things bigger. But yeah, just, you don't want to fool yourself into pursuing something that you're not going to get. And so <laughs> it's kind of a roundabout way, right? right. Like I did top my free rider experience yeah. on golden gate i wasn't trying to it just played out that right. way and well i mean i would love to see you climbing something with emily yeah totally that would be super sick yeah yeah we had a lot of fun climbing up right. there together right um and so yeah we've we've definitely talked we've definitely mm-hmm. talked about climbing something well because it's also you know the the in a day thing or even freeing el cap roots falls into this category a lot of times where you are supported yeah you know and it's it's you know not just you and a buddy up there i mean it's hardly ever swinging leads in in the very traditional sense but you know as a relatively equal team yeah you know there's all these like asterisks to my free rider ascent Mm -hmm. in terms of it actually being a free ascent or whatever because we were doing that we were we were climbing as partners right and so that changed how many pitches I lead, led, which pitches I led, all that sort of thing. But it was this this style that I actually really admire, mm-hmm. and I, and that's the kind of thing when I think about the in a days, and I'm sure you feel this way too. Is and you mentioned it earlier, like it becomes this like really one person focus. Yeah. Um So it it just feels to me as you as a climber who also you know has this foot in this you know tradition. It feels like that would be another place of like finding more fulfillment. You know, totally to, to balance these days of where it's just about me and like like i said you know after the accident i essentially lost jeremy as my big wall partner and right i hope that gets rekindled at some point we still sport climb and boulder together which mm-hmm. is great but yeah i mean th- that loss of that partnership definitely changed my 
changed my climbing and, and, and my goals. And, and that's why I was, you know, really thankful when Mark came into my life and we were able to partner up together. But, you know, now we're, yeah, we're just at different points in our, in our climbing lives. And yeah, that's something, Yeah, like I was saying, I'm, I'm envious. I've never really had a like team ground up El Cap free ascent mm-hmm. attempt before. Right. And like, that sounds really, all of my, all of my, uh, El Cap ascents I was, have been like me taking point, you know, mm-hmm. never really sharing the free climbing experience anyways with, uh, with another partner. Well, it's, it's. And, it's, and it's, I want that. Yeah. That it, sounds but it's so also, fun. You know, we we were talking about Amity Warm. I don't. I actually don't. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Um, it's W A R M E. Yeah, I think so. We, I think we've, it is warm. I've talked to her, but just in texting, so you never hear. Yeah, Amity and Tyler. And, uh, inter- yeah, Tyler. Tyler Caro. Yeah, yeah. So they they did they a crushed. ground up ascent. I think it was a. They hadn't rehearsed or anything. No, right? no. Yeah. Um, Amity had climbed yeah. the free rider, right? And and Tyler had you know like aided the south a so right. they're familiar with the first half sure. half of the route but yeah. the whole golden gate actual portion neither of them had yeah, which is the business let's yeah the biz it. So, yeah but yeah so and it but the thing that was interesting about it and and it stuck out is because it's just it's actually really quite unusual it is and uh, yeah let me yeah. let's let's <laughs> use this opportunity to talk about to talk about like a little bit of the ethics like yeah, ground up is 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 the way. It's kind of like you only have one chance to try, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether it's a sport route, and you're like, well, I might as well try an onsite. It's like that's always that's the that's the mentality with going ground up on a on a big free route like that. Also, is like, yeah, you can always come back and try. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to put this rehearsal in. Like, it's it's a really rad and respectable adventure to to try and do these things ground up whether you succeed or fail because yeah it just leaves so much more adventure on the table well and i think is is lost with a lot of the the rehearsal i think too the the mental like the mental fortitude as well as just the fitness to be up there trying to red point those pitches after days of being up there and like just continuing to throw yourself at them because that that was the thing. I mean, I talked about it on, on my show about the Golden Gate. It's just how fucking wrecked I was. Yeah, to be like, oh, well, now I'm gonna just put my climbing shoes on and like try to climb. Totally. Even yeah, you're I was like, like what you're the like, fuck oh, is going on? You know, like and, you wake up and you're like, yeah. time to climb five thirteen for breakfast. Right. Like, how yeah. does that happen? And, well, and right. and the how you have to self regulate in those moments where you're like, okay, I I know I have to try hard to send, but I still have twelve more pitches to go, and mm-hmm. I don't know what those entail, and so I have to like ha- try and keep some in reserve, yeah. and you're con- constantly trying to play that game. Yeah. Like, well, and it, that ascent, and I've been in negotiations with at least Amity to come on the show. Um, she's down. Uh, we just have to get it done. But it was just like, I was just like, what? And yeah. It was just rad. It was super rad. Yeah. Um, because even when we did our ascent, just the fact that even though it was like a completely flaccid attempt at it, the fact that we even just did that kind of flabbergasted some people in the valley. They totally. were just like, you just like started at the bottom and went to the top and thought you would try to free climb it. So Yeah, totally. And I was just like, well, we didn't have time to go and besides it's just we just wanted to climb it kind of thing. Yeah. So it wasn't in my head of like, oh, I'm showing everybody up by trying to ground up. It was just that's how we had the the logistics to try to do it. Yeah. You know. Well I'll I'll always remember my my uh ground up attempt on the free rider and yeah, that was 
to this day, one of the raddest adventures having never been up there and trying to free climb a lot of these mm-hmm. pitches on site. Yeah, it's it's freaking fun doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful I didn't get to do that on Golden Gate because of this accident and I didn't have a partner. I decided to wrap in mm-hmm. not only to rehearse some of the pitches, but to like fix up the route. The route was in bad condition. Right. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I would say so yeah, I sacrificed my yeah. ground up. I remember part of our communication either before or after. I think it was before we did a show together. That yeah. I think we were talking about the Golden Gate is how we ended up starting to that talk. That might have been it, yeah. Yeah, because I knew you had been up there, and I was like, yeah, this, this thing's a fucking mess, dude. Yeah, like, right, right, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was, I was kind really, of embarrassing. I was, like, embarrassed for it. You know, I was really inspired by uh, the Don Wall at the time <laughs> when that movie came out, right. and Tommy's talking about, you know, going through his divorce, and he's like, you know, basically what I did was just invest in this free climbing El Cap project. right. right. And just like getting back on the horse, and that was totally when I saw read when I saw that in theaters, I was like, "Yep, that's what I'm going to do on Golden Gate." And so I kind of used my solo time up there as like a sense of a little bit of healing for me. It was also preparation, and I got to clean up the route for yeah. other people because yeah. it's it's getting climbed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the the main focus is on the free rider mm-hmm. and on Golden Gate, and I assume as the popularity increases and people's climbing ability and levels increase yeah it's going to spread out on on other routes because there's a lot of other rad routes there this is the i'm sorry golden gate took up a lot of our time that was great i mean what good. else is there what else you've been there's climbing nothing. i haven't been doing anything <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding <laughs> you're pretty proud of 10 on ronnie attempt on ronnie's view today dude yeah thanks for the belay <laughs> one one uh one hang trying to get back into the rifle rifle mode yeah actually um, we didn't even bring that up that we're sitting in rifle yeah we're in rifle that's yeah. why we're here yeah I, I pestered you to to come back on the show yeah because i want to one i know you're a dad now and have and don't get out of colorado that much <laughs> therefore <laughs> therefore it's hard hard to get new guests but i also i told you i listened on my drive out here from uh from reno i listened to like the run out and the normal cast the whole time surprised i didn't get sick of listening to you guys <laughs> i know i'm surprised when people but, people tell me that all the but time you, like, you I mentioned like that 40 episodes in a row i'm like oh you're like that's really <laughs> <laughs> uh but you said in a few episodes like yeah you're like well huh, you know i try and interview whoever's most convenient and i'm like well i'm coming through rifle yeah, being convenient uh, yeah. so it's good and i knew yeah we haven't i've been on the show with mark and on the run out and stuff but thought it'd be fun to catch up since our first interview well, ago. when we did that interview, not knowing you, um, I remember walking away from the interview. You, you had you had sort of talked about and also hinted about your upbringing. Yep. And 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 sort of a conservative religious upbringing, and having kind of like stepped away from that. And you know, you said you went to this Christian college where you'd done soccer and stuff like that. We didn't get into it too much, but I remember after I got to know you later. Yeah. And running into you at certain places, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, he's sort of exhibiting that kind of, you know, I know some Jack Mormons, you know, some folks that grew up super fundamental Mormons, and then they walked away from it. And it's still like this thing that's in their head that's like influencing them maybe in a negative way or a way they're trying to get into, but it's like, you know, it's in your, it's sort of in your DNA if it's like put into you as a kid. And that was my opinion is I was like, yeah, he's kind of just like a little bit messed up. I think his relationship with his parents is a little bit uh, tough because of that. But then I get this text from you 
mm-hmm. me and Andrew get this text from you this spring about how you were going to come out as gay. Mm-hmm. And it was like this thing in my head where I was just <laughs> like, oh, like that's the, I mean, literally like the angst. Like I could feel the angst. Sure. And and I was like, oh, well, I called that wrong. Although I didn't because in a way they're they're both combined. Just going back to this text that you got in touch with us that you wanted to come out you were going to post on Instagram and you were going and you wanted to do a show with us. Now, first of all, and I expressed this on the show, I was I was quite I don't know if honored's the right word, but I was very pleased that you trusted us to do this thing with you. And uh but like I said, it also like made a couple things click because I also had this story that I think we talked about but not on air was that I was driving through Newcastle when you were here in Rifle and I saw you on the on the street and I was like I just saw the look on your face I was like fuck that he is not happy right now I don't know what he's doing here in Newcastle <laughs> and I'm not going to like pull over and wave at him cuz he looks super bombed and super serious and I think you were you were I think visiting with your parents after some yep. some long uh period of not having talked to them yep that's correct and then again like in retrospect I was like okay so these things are all sort of coming together um, so anyway, you came out this spring, yeah, and we've been wanting to talk about climbing on the show because one of the things you expressed when you did that was like, I don't want to be, you know, the gay climber, but I do want to bring it up because one of the thing that happened when you did come out, I said flat out that, oh yeah, don't don't look at the comments, like because mm-hmm. you were going to post something on Instagram, and you have you have a pretty big following, and um, but it turns out I was super wrong about that. You were. <laughs> entirely wrong actually. I was entirely wrong about that <laughs> so just you know we can finish up here with that because um, I just wanted to put a marker on it because it was an important thing actually to me that you involved me and Andrew in that um, and I felt really good about that and I try we tried to do our best for you when we did that show yeah no and you and you guys did and yeah you guys are my climbing guys you guys are the the crotchety old climbers that yeah, well, you, you I identify have a with. <laughs> for hanging out with guys like us <laughs> yeah so no it was a no it was a no-brainer for me really you know if i was going to try to put something mm-hmm. out in the climbing world but the reaction well, i haven't talked to you really since then i mean we texted yeah. a little bit or message a little bit well um but it seemed pretty freaking positive yeah it, it has been it's been right. great um and before we get too far ahead of ourselves yeah i just wanted to address what you're saying about yeah something clicking and whenever I did, you know, tell you guys and share that I was going to come out and that you're like, oh yeah, it, that makes sense. You know, you hadn't maybe put your finger on it, but mm-hmm. it made sense based on, you know, what you saw I was going through or what I had, you know, re- revealed about my past or my upbringing or my parents or whatever. And you're not the only, like a lot of my friends have said that right. because, you know, th- that stuff comes up in conversation and some people can, can people can sense the angst sometimes and, mm-hmm. and I could tell for a lot of my friends that like it just the picture wasn't making sense to them because of I was leaving a large part of the store of my story out. Right. You know? Yeah, and that's a really good way to put it because again, I have no I'm not like, oh I knew he was gay the whole time. Like I had I had yeah. no idea about that, but I but what you just you said, like the picture didn't on. make sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh so for a lot of my friends, whenever I did finally like give them the full story and not hide any of the details they were like oh uh right it all makes sense now Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been great to be able to do that because yeah, not only does, has that made me feel better about myself and not feel like I have to hide anything or that I'm like running from my past in a way, I'm kind of like owning my past now more. Yeah. Not, like I said, not only does that make me feel better about myself, but it makes my connections with the friends I already have better because mm-hmm. yeah, they see, it makes sense to them. They mm-hmm. see the whole picture. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't blame you for thinking, you know, suggesting not to read the comments. Cause that's kind of a general rule of thumb when you put out anything on the internet, especially if you have a big following, cause you can assume there's a number of trolls and haters out there right? and people just trying to like talk shit. And so I expected a little bit of that, not from like my, you know, my audience or whatever, right. my like friends and, and whatnot, but you're just putting something out there on the internet and you can't be surprised if you get some backlash, especially about something, you know, semi-controversial about, you know, sexual identity or whatever. But I was really surprised to have not gotten seriously not one negative comment on on my post and or anything that I that I shared um, relative to that, and so that was really encouraging to me. And I've tried to I've tried to like express that to to reiterate that point to be like, hey, like this should be this should be seen as a good thing. Like I understand I have a like a tremendous privilege in the fact that I haven't gotten that much in comparison to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, some right. people have been subjected to more hate. And of course I have, I have in the past, but this is really just relative to me coming out now. Right. And what I shared on the internet, you know, however many months ago. And I think that should be encouraging to the climbing world. Be like, look, there's not that much negativity or there's no negativity coming from the climbing world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that shows or speaks volumes to the community we have in climbing. And so well, that's I under- where I've tried I, to. Yeah. I understand your reluctance to be like, it's all fine. Because yeah. it's obviously not. And, it's not. And other for a lot people's of people. experience are different. And it hasn't been for right. me for a lot of my life. So right. don't be don't be fooled. Right. But it's I mean, you got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just because I will look through them too. And it was just like boom, 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 boom. I mean the emojis were <laughs> <laughs> just rainbows and rainbows hearts and, and, and tears all that and shit. Yeah, just all the yeah, all the all, those all the good things. ones. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just it was nice, and it, and like again, to be a part of it was nice. And then, and the funny thing is, is my brain, and I think you know, probably most people, it was like, okay, here was this big event, and you know, Jordan's out, and then it's like, okay, like, yeah, thankfully, yeah, as it as it, it should like, be, okay. right. Because yeah, no, climbing, nothing, dude. nothing really, like, yeah. nothing yeah. really changes. And yeah, that's yeah. the that's the response. That's the response I want. You like, know, and it's like I was talking to to Laura Sabrin, and that was that was the thing too. Is is when they started talking about being binary to people, you know, that was my point. I was like, well, just because you put a name on it doesn't mean you're a different person. And and that was with you too. It's like you're just the same person that I was talking to. The day before, you know, messaging with like three weeks before is when we were talking to you. Then you're right at the at the yeah. core, I'm the same person, yeah, but right. the person I portray to the world around right. me is different. Right? Yeah, and, for sure. And I think I like I can notice that for myself, but mm-hmm. I, I've gotten that feedback from friends noticing, right? You know, just a difference in like <laughs> a lack of angst or like, right. yeah, just more easygoing, not as yeah, not as like on guard, really. I guess or. Mm-hmm. Whatever and so, how's it changed for you, like living on the road and and you're climbing then? 
Well, I mean, it kind of did what I intended it to do and like free me up to give myself a little bit more fully to climbing and, mm-hmm. and get more satisfaction out of it. Not, yeah, you know, thinking or dealing as with, uh, this thing going on in the background. So yeah, I mean, my climbing has been great. I've been having the time of my life since then, really. <laughs> Uh, had a good season in Yosemite. We talked about the triple a little bit. I didn't get to free climb anything because it was too hot and I was there too late, but whatever. I mo- moved up to Tuolumne afterwards. I just did peace. Freaking awesome up there. Right. Tuolumne's great as it is, but yeah, climbing on that route and on Medlicott with the view. Yeah, it was just it was just great. And so I'd never fallen in love with a route that much before or known I could enjoy a sport route. Well, that could be good or bad. My friend right. Jeremy was like, dude, it's all downhill from here because right. <laughs> you're never going to fall in love with a route as much. And it's true. <laughs> I've been in rifle for the past week being like, what do I want to climb? All these suck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's plenty of routes. There's plenty of cool routes here. <laughs> you're not, I've just been, you're I've not just totally been, I've just been trying, you know, being trying to be a little bit more intentional with like the projects that I choose for myself and making sure I'm really psyched about them and not just doing them because I think I should or something. Right, or you should hit the grade, or this is the next thing that I'm yeah. supposed to do after I do that. Exactly, because yeah. that's kind of my mode as a climber, which I mm-hmm. think can, you know, having like a methodical approach to climbing like that can be really beneficial, but it can also like sandbag you in ways. And like, yeah, for example, I was like, trying to look for a 13C last last year while I was here because I'd like done some easier 513s. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to try something harder. I was like, what's the best 13C? And everybody's like, apocalypse. And I was like, sick, sign me up. And I like tried that thing for a while and I was like getting closer. And, and I was eventually just like, I don't think I actually like this fruit. Like, why am I, why am I climbing on this route? It's like, just because people told me to because mm-hmm. that was like the next box. And it's box. the grade. Yeah, yeah, it's the grade. But- Ultimately, I realized, like, yeah, not the experience I'm looking for. So I've gone elsewhere. You're stuck here in, in rifle for a week, just climbing on these terrible routes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? What's what's your winter or your fall look like? Well, I mean, so the main reason I'm here is to climb with Mark. Okay, I I would love to be able to for this to be my first of of six weeks here like last summer or like mark is gonna do after i leave tomorrow um but i'm actually on my way to to uh boulder to climb a scott and in rocky mountain national park which i think we talked about at the beginning right but yeah you know mark mark our partnership has changed since he come you know completed his goal of doing what he wanted to do on the free rider and and i you know completed my goals as well and yeah, it's been a bit of a, it's been like a bit of a transition for, for Mark and I kind of like growing out of each other as climbing partners in a way, in the sense that, you know, I couldn't have done something like the triple crown with Mark. And even my last, uh, you know, my first attempt at Golden Gate when Mark jugged for me on Halloween, at the end of that, I was like, Ooh, I don't think I can, I don't think I can ask Mark to do this for me again, you know, right. like it, it, I felt really bad. It, it, yeah, it pushed him pretty hard too. And so... So yeah, our climbing is changing. Our friendship, of course, is just as strong as ever, but we're kind of dropping into more like casual, friendly climbing partners, mm-hmm. which makes more sense sport climbing. So so yeah, I'm mainly here to, since we haven't gotten to climb all season together, and I've been off in Yosemite doing my thing while he's out climbing intensely and wherever. Um, so yeah, here to just... And you guys are going to get uh, tattoos together tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> not matching ones, I should not say. Matching ones. You do have matching <laughs> tattoos, though, don't you? Well, we do actually. Yeah, <laughs> which happened this time last year after climbing and rifle. That's a that's a pretty funny story. But <laughs> getting tattoos during the pandemic, Bold. during the pandemic, yeah. Bold. Well, I got my first. I got my first in. Uh, you know, last year before coming out, last year in Ten Sleep was a. You know, it was an experimental year for me. In the sense that I got my ear pierced, I let my friend Elise pierce my ear in the campground in Ten Sleep. I let Emily Harrington cut my hair. I got a tattoo. I was really trying to practice things that helped me not give a fuck about mm-hmm. what other people thought. You know. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Jordan for getting in touch, hanging out in his van, actually. We did that in Jordan's van, not in my camper. And uh, I don't know how he comes across to you guys, but the dude is actually pretty freaking humble. I think he has even like a little inferiority complex, which is undeserved or unwarranted, if you will. I mean, the guy in the short time he's been climbing has done some incredible things. And I really think he's just getting started because it's hard to carve your niche in the modern age. Shit's been done, you know? It's not necessarily a blank canvas on which to paint your career. You got to find your place and you got to find your niche. But I think we'll see more great things from Jordan. So he'll be back. When I do episode like 1000, we'll do it with Jordan, Jordan Cannon. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. It is September, although that's a bit of a myth. Now that climate change has taken hold here in the West anyway, September's still hot, although the nights are cold, which helps. Enjoying the fall, the, the most bountiful climbing season, I do believe. Is there anyone that doesn't think the fall is the best? I don't think so. I think it's a pretty standard notion. So get out there, have some fun. Of course, check your knots. <laughs> So when it comes to poking cows, well, that's your business. But as far as climbing goes, nobody has you covered head to toe like Black Diamond. (laughs) Check them out. (laughs) Check them out at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. And though I might have gone too far this time, at the moment, Black Diamond is still a proud sponsor of the normal cast. (laughs) 